Welcome to another episode of Ravens at the Crossroad. I'm Mistress Prime. I'm Tyler Matthews, and today we are speaking with Lord Bedarius, a high priest and witch. Thank you. Well, thank you for uh, speaking with us. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about you and what you've uh, started in the community, where you started on your path, those sorts of things. Uh, I am <clears throat> currently a high priest and witch of <clears throat> the Lavender Dragon's Coven. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we uh, live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, which is a fairly large metropolitan area in the state of Florida. Uh, we're really kind of a tri-county area. There are a number of witches that are part of uh, the community at large there. I've been a practicing witch, <clears throat> excuse me, for uh, about 16 years. Okay. So uh, I got started on my path uh, by going to uh, uh, an event at Cups, which is part of the UU Church. Uh, it was an open Sabbath that they were hosting. It was the end of April. They were hosting the May Day celebration in advance, just in advance of Beltane. Uh, so that was a great event. <clears throat> and while I was there, I got to meet some uh, people that were obviously involved in the community. One was another gay gentleman, and uh, he had told me about the coven that he had recently joined and that they were looking for other members, and uh, got me introduced to the high priest at the time. Okay. And that's uh, kind of how I started my path, and that coven started in April of 2004. Okay. Oh. Wow. Uh, so cups for people who may not be aware, uh, what does that stand for? It is the community for the UU Church of Pagans. Okay. So it's not C-U-P-S, it's C-U-U-P-S. Correct. correct. So just for clarification purposes, for those that may not know, uh, that is what it stands for. And uh, so you're, you mentioned being the high priest of the Lavender Dragons, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that group? Sure. So... Um, the high priest that had originally started the coven uh, was also a gardenarian. Okay. And he had uh, gone to his high priestess and had gotten permission to start his own coven, and he wanted to do it with all gay males. Now, obviously, gardenarian craft, uh, British traditional witchcraft, is very different. Uh, it's very male-female based, and because we live in an area that there are lots of gay people it was you know and he knew that there were a number of gay pagans that would be interested in, in learning this uh, form of witchcraft together uh, you know he wanted to start formulating that and uh, you know brought all of us in as students obviously gave us the basic 101 um, he had severe reaction to seasonal changes mm. so in the summer months uh, our weather changes significantly. Uh, the humidity, obviously, and the heat increases quite a great deal. And then because of that, we obviously have the threat of hurricane and, and things of that nature. And he would just kind of have anxiety attacks uh, during that period of time. So um, at the beginning, uh, he would put the coven on hiatus a little bit of time. Um, that became more problematic as we were continuing to grow as I got initiation then he kind of turned over the reins of the coven to me to handle and 
and uh, we just started to grow. And at that mm -hmm. point, we grew quite a bit. Um, and he would stay involved a small bit, but it was very difficult after we had developed a number of new students who had only a relationship with myself as a high priest to then start trying to develop a, a relationship with somebody they had not ever met before right. you know, as being you know, the person running the coven. Gotcha. Um, so it was apparent at that point that we needed to make change and so he graciously stepped down and turned the coven fully over to myself. And so I've been running the coven since probably 2006. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting to me hear to hear about uh, an all gay male uh, coven because mm -hmm. uh, you're right. You usually see most covens uh, working in the sense of male female balance and those right. sorts of things. So as a gay man myself, it's interesting to hear about that. Wait, you're gay? Uh, you <laughs> you're just finding that out. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, to be fair, there are several different types of traditions. Right. Correct. But it is most common to see the balance of the male-female. Right. But, again, there are also covens that are strictly female. Like right. Dianic. Like Dianic. Dianic. So let's pause there. Okay. So our tradition is called the Apollo Brotherhood. So it's in balance with what the Dianics are doing. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So. And, again, that's an all-gay male right. tradition. Right. So... Uh, well, wait, do you have to be gay to be in this tradition? I had opened it up at one point to any male that would be comfortable in the environment of having that kind of uh, male bonding brotherhood. Uh, but I think m more often than not, um, that wouldn't be their level of interest in terms of study. So I never had anybody... Uh, from the community at large, uh, I have a number of our ads on Witchbox. Um, we have a Coven website and so on. So we keep information, you know, out there for the public to see. Uh, but I never had a uh, bisexual or straight man, you know, approach us in terms of interest in studying with us. Quick side note: Witchbox. He means the witch's voice. Huh. Um, which is a resource website for uh, the witch community, well, the pagan community at large. Right. Um, and uh, if you haven't heard of it, go check it out. But it's uh, W-I-T-C-H-V-O-X.com. But I have a question for you. Sure. What about if a transgendered male wanted to join the group? At one point, I did have a transgendered person seek us out. I had a little bit of a concern at the time because it was a person that had transgendered from male to female. Oh. So in our dialoguing with one another and as I expressed and shared concerns, I wanted to make sure that she now understood you've elected to transcend the gender that you were born to and you're now a new person that mm -hmm. you know the focus is amongst men and you're no longer you know kind of quantifying yourself in that gender so it's going to be a difficult threshold mm -hmm. 
for all of us to kind of manage. Mm -hmm. um, if a transgendered person that had transgendered from female to male, I most certainly would take them out. That would be oh. of no concern to me. That's wonderful. Uh, that's that's Good to know. excellent to know. Yeah. That, that's great to hear. There's some really great articles. Uh, you know, within Fort Lauderdale, there's obviously a large transgender community. We have lots of services and things available, uh, you know, for people that have AIDS and, and getting all sorts of community help. We have SunServe in our region, uh, CARES, and these uh, organizations also help transgender people with a lot of the challenges that they face. Um, so I know that there are you know, transgendered people. We find that on the East Coast, there seems to be less transgendered female to male. That tends to be more of a West Coast thing at this point in time. Okay. So, but I, I do know a, uh, a, a former, you know, transgender person that went from female to male. You would never have known that this person was not born a male. There was no... Mm -hmm. There was nothing that, yeah. that would indicate, you know, that extremely hairy, short, very muscular body, balding, you know, just normal man, male patterns that, you know, were just there. And uh, I always say gender is more than what's between the legs of an individual. It's really who we are on the inside that counts. I Excellent. agree. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, so we have... Apollo Brotherhood, correct? correct? Um, and you guys are the Lavender Dragons, and you have um, you been and you guys have been members of Cog since your inception. I believe. Uh, well, we started the coven was started in two thousand four, and I believe my former high priest and myself applied for the membership in two thousand six. Okay, and so you are here at. Um, Grand Council, Mary Meet. Correct. And so there was a very um, interesting turn of events for uh, Grand Council. You have a new title. Yes. So uh, there was uh, open elections, obviously, as we have for each Grand Council. And they look for individuals that are members in good standing within the Covenant of the Goddess to uh, fulfill positions uh, on an annual basis. And uh, there was a need for uh, a first officer. There was not a candidate that had stepped forward. Uh, Kanu, who is uh, the current first officer, and I are very close friends. Uh, we were in the same local council at one period of time, uh, Everglades Moon. Uh, I am currently at, at a national status. Um, and so I had reached out to Kanu to make sure that, you know, kind of what his plans were moving forward for the current year, because I didn't want to uh, step on the flow of things sure. if it was his interest to request of the membership to perhaps, uh, even though he was he had fulfilled the two-term limit, that he might ask for, you know, uh, an allowance within the membership to fulfill an additional year. And he, you know, verified with me that that was not what he was planning to do. Uh, and so we spoke at length about kind of the, the job duties of the first officer, 
Uh, we spoke about some of the things that uh, would be uh, proposals that would be being uh, discussed at Grand Council and how the changes uh, might take place and how the governance of the uh, membership is done through the the local uh, the national councils or national officers okay now the national first officer I guess things have changed with term limits or that is correct or um, the length term, of the term the length of the term that's what correct. I meant to say um, so first officer used to be a, a one-year position you could hold a position on the national board one position for up to two years at a time and then four years max total on the board. That's how it used to be. Okay. Um, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had to take a mandatory, I think at least a year, possibly two years off, to prevent um, you know, volunteer burnout. Okay. Uh, so I guess things have changed. The term limit, or the term... Um, the current term, term is still one year. Okay. For the first officer. What was agreed upon during Grand Council was and all following years now, the term will be a two-year term. So for I first will, officer for, for all for officers? first officer for all officers, but it will be staggered. So the the one that was elected or agreed upon by the membership for this current one is the purse warden will serve two years. Okay. So the current per, uh, purse warden was asked by the membership to continue with that position, even though. He had already fulfilled the term limits. He agreed to do so, so he will remain now not only first warden for one year, but for a two-year term. Oh, gotcha. So, so he'll be serving a total of four years in the same position. Right, that's correct. And then for myself, I, I will term out, obviously, at the end of next year uh, when we uh, change officers at Samhain, but at Grand Council, obviously, there would be a new election for a first officer. And that first officer from that point on would then be running and would be in a term of two two years. Okay. All right. So, oh, okay. Wow. I, I'm, I'm glad that they made this change because it was really difficult to shift gears every year. Correct. And it would stifle progress on projects that we were hoping to accomplish. Um, but, you know, Things happen. Time runs out, and then it's like, okay, well, I guess the next board will have to take the ball and and go running with it. But uh, that didn't always have happen the way we had hoped. Right. For various reasons. It's um, difficult when there's not continuity between a whole board of people that are having to be re-elected or other members, you know, being elected into sure. those positions. So it does change the continuity of things. Yeah, but I think with two years in a position, that will at least help get some traction Correct. to move forward. And I know there are big things coming up in the coming year. I'm super excited about some of the changes uh, personally. And uh, I'm very excited to see that you're going to be coming in for this uh, come November 1st. Yes. So. So I will not only be just the first officer as a, a national first officer, I will also, um, as the membership has agreed based on one of the proposals that was set forth, we've uh, changed 
the structure of the governance of the Covenant of the Goddess. So we're adding what is now called a governing board. So there will be basically like a House of Representatives yes. where we have now a representative of every local council and then even at the national level that will also be members of the board that will participate in the overall involvement and bring the voices of the needs of each local council to the national uh, board of officers. And then the national board of officers are then um, sent to, to move forward in those Correct. Um, works that the uh, governing board has requested. Correct. One of the things that I would like to do personally uh, would be to attend uh, a local council meeting in each of the regions that there where local councils are. It's a bit of travel. Uh, yeah, so it's a bit of travel, it's a bit of a commitment, but I think that them really getting to know their first officer, quasi-president, it, it really kind of develops a different relationship, that they really feel that the board is really hearing them. Right. And not only uh, are they then allowed to have a member of their local council sit on this new larger governing council, uh, you know, that will be overseeing uh, the issues put forth for the board to work on, but by having me be present and getting to develop a relationship with me a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one, I'm hoping uh, to create uh, better all overall relations with each of the local councils and really speak about the real need, which is to grow the membership. We've yes. had a, a loss of a number of grand councils in the many years that I've been a member. Um, I would say we've probably lost nearly a half dozen, if I'm not mistaken. Quite a few. Right. I know that we had the Weavers in New England are no longer there. I believe uh, New York region had a local council at one period. But a long have, time ago, I think before right. even I joined. Yeah, I know that Dogwood Council we just recently lost in the uh, Georgia region. Uh, Pronghorn Moon in California. Right, we've lost uh, one in there, Chicago. There's a Seattle local council right. at one point. So we're talking about a loss to the covenant of major metropolitan areas where there has to be lots of witches. So we're really going to try and work on outreach. How do we bring, especially the younger people, get them more involved and bring them in to, you know, through the changes of membership that we're, you know, implementing, where we can bring individuals in a little bit easier and start to develop greater relationships in communities and, and really bring our numbers back up. But we need to bring younger people in, you know, as first officer, at 54, I'm one of the younger people, and that's kind of absurd. You know, we should be surrounded by people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s as well. We um, had the opportunity in a, another session to speak with the incoming um, outreach outreach uh, correspondence yep. correspondence officer. I thought it was just outreach officer. Just off outreach, Brandon. Right, Brandon. Um, and uh, one of the things that he had he was talking about was basically COG needs to have a better presence you know they're not attending and not making a, their presence known at events as as much as they could um, one of the things that I was that I thought was kind of interesting and 
kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, why aren't we doing that, was uh, attending pride parades. Right. You know, why isn't COG making a presence if we have enough members that probably already attend, but they're not attending as members of COG, as representatives of COG? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, he sounds like he wants to help shake things up a little bit. Now we're talking about Pagan Pride or? No, no Gay Pride. Gay Pride. Gay okay. Pride. You know, and, and trying to, out, you know, reach a little bit outside of our usual community a little bit more. Right. I would like to do that. Like I said, in our region, obviously, there are a number of of gay witches mm-hmm. uh, and so it is my hopes because some of them have been former students of mine to kind of do that do that outreaching and maybe create something like maybe like gay, the gay witches league where we are involved and maybe have a float in mm-hmm. the gay pride event and kind of put a positive face to what the covenant of the goddess can offer them uh, as you know gay man practicing witchcraft and women. Right. Well, and that was one of the things that we brought up, Brandon and I had discussed, is a lot of LGBT people are disenchanted with uh, religion in general. Mainstream religion. Mainstream religion. And so, given the chance to go have them see that there is another path for them, and and there are deities... An inclusive path. An inclusive path. There are deities that are gay. Yes, and they can find representations of themselves within a mythology Correct. that is accessible to them, and they can feel an acceptance that they may not have the, uh, had the opportunity to feel in previous religious experiences. Exactly. Right. So we use the Greco-Roman pantheon, uh, a lot of Greek deity forms, mm-hmm. uh, Olympians. Apollo was known to have a lover named Hyacinthus, um, who he truly cherished. Uh, who was accidentally killed by uh, the Greek god of the West Wind, Zephyrus. Uh, And so there's a whole mythology about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Apollo's sorrow at the loss of Hyacinthus uh, as Hyacinthus' blood fell to the earth because he was struck in the back of the head by the discus that had been thrown by Apollo and he was running out to see how far it would be, and it got blown off course and struck Hyacinthus, and, uh, and he died you know, from the mortal wound. As his blood fell to the earth in the grief of Apollo, he turned the blood into the Hyacinthus flower. Which is actually one of my favorite flowers. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you're going to shake some things up too. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty marvelous. Yes. At least I hope so. Yes. I'm, I'm, bo- I, I'm, I'm I believe that we have uh, a good newly elected set of national officers that are very willing to work together, bring about change, positive change, grow the covenant. Um, I was a little concerned and reluctant at fulfilling the position as the changes uh, for a new governance of the covenant came into play because I'm now responsible for a lot larger community of you know within the local councils actually you know actually having a representative that they're bringing forward to the national board uh, on the new governing board so I think that it'll be a very positive change Uh, it'll obviously in this first year have its growing pains but I I think that it will quickly uh, grow and develop into something great awesome that's it's 
encouraging as somebody yes. who was looking at COG and was like, should I join? And, and having spoken with Maka, uh, spoken with you, uh, spoken with several other people, Amber, Azrael, uh, Mistress Prime, they've all kind of said, it's worth being a member of COG. Yes. Uh, even with some of Wait, the... I said that? Yeah, you said that. <laughs> and you weren't even drinking at the time. Are you sure? <laughs> I, there, every time I come to Grand Council, by the end of Council, regardless of anything that goes on in the middle of Council, because at some point it'll get heated, I love the fact, and I've said this before, I love the fact that at the very end we all come together. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that we work together to meet our goals, that we come into an agreement, and that love fills the room without fail every single time. It's kind of addictive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, it's a very charged, filled room in, every year. And sometimes I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain, you know, that we're going to survive. And there was this particular year I was I was genuinely scared, seeing how things transpired, and it just seemed like it was spiraling in a way I had never expected. Um, and then at the last minute, just like a bit of a miracle, everything started to kind of fall into place one by one, and uh, suddenly this brand new board sort of bloomed out of everything um, things th- that proposals that had been put place put forth had been uh, agreed upon by the Grand Council it, it just all kind of came together it was beautiful yes and it took a lot of you know kind of blood sweat and tears especially mm-hmm. uh, Chamisa did a fantastic job they did. hosting Yes. The Grand Council Mary Meet celebration. Leadership Institute this year was amazing. Mm -hmm. Truly amazing. Yes. Completely agree. And uh, Amber Kay and Azriel did a lot of work and put forward a lot of proposals for us to really grow and change. And we have to change. Change is the inevitable in life. Mm -hmm. We all know that. But if we stay stagnant and if we don't invite the younger pagans and witches in to help grow the covenant's membership we will slowly erode and die away and it it's you know my and hope if you don't change then perhaps that's for the best you know what i mean like if you're not going to try to change to adapt then then perhaps it would be for the best for the organization to just die off because you've basically set yourself up to do that right so if they want to survive they have to adapt have to change uh, I think it was Lord Don that uh, said that an organization has to uh, accept and adapt to technology changes. Otherwise, they're going to be gone in a few years after And that. forgotten about, right. too. Yeah, and so... they got to be a, a part of the times, the current modern age. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I think as COG starts making those changes, it'll be easier for younger people to find them. Because right, right. now... Uh, as we learned in Grand Council, you can search for COG and... Right, if you go and type in Wicca, COG doesn't show up anywhere. Right. And that would be a concern. Or even which, you know, I mean, if you're looking for organizations to participate and be involved in, you know, Covenant of the Goddess should pop up first in a Google search. Okay, so 
tell me, if somebody were to come to you who had no idea about Covenant of the Goddess, they ask you, well, why would I consider it? What would you tell them? Well, number one, I think that it's important to gauge what they are hoping to get out of an organization. What is it that they hope to accomplish by having a relationship with uh, any outside organization? I think for us, it, it's a larger sense of community and it's something greater. Uh, most religious organizations have some larger body or council of people that of like mind that come together within that particular religious organization overall throughout either the United States or throughout the world that have some level of commonality and things that they share and experiences that they do together in gatherings. Um, and I think that that's what we do. We allow ourselves to be a part of a larger uh, relationship with one another. You know, that it's not just not just the Lavender Dragons in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You know, it's the Lavender Dragons in Fort Lauderdale, Florida that's part of a national organization of witches and Wiccans in the United States. And so the Covenant of the Goddess gives us a voice. It gives us also a legal backing. And uh, we hopefully are, are responding to current world crises, things that are uh, obviously uh, things that are going on in, in our world or in our country that are crucial things, things that we need to voice and bring forward. And so I think that the covenant allows all of us to have a common voice that we share together. And some people have accused, Cog, I'm going to totally be a pain in the butt right now, <laughs> but some people have accused Cog as having too much drama and nothing but witch wars. And I know that it has happened on an occasion. Mm, yes. And it's unfortunate when it does. Um, what would you tell somebody that approached you with that? It's like, well, you know, why should I? And, you know, I heard all these things about COG. And well, I think that in any organization, uh, especially because we're... Um, we all follow kind of a, a similar concept, but each local council is really autonomous from any other. Even though we're all affiliated and members of the Covenant of the Goddess, each of those lo local councils is autonomous. And then within each of those local councils, each one of those covens and individual members now, as opposed to uh, solitaries, are also autonomous. autonomous. So it's, we're trying to, remain where we still have the autonomy but still have commonality with one another and there will be differences of opinions the place to look for resolution is to find middle ground common ground that we can all agree that this is where we're at this is how we can uh, agree to work together and move beyond those differences so yes I think that we've had our challenges in the past, uh, this year being similar in nature. Uh, there were some heated discussions, obviously disagreements about some of the proposals being uh, put forth before the membership. Um, 
some hurt feelings, uh, you know. But in the end, when it really came time to, to sit down and talk and work through those issues and come to an agreement of a place that we can say, yes, I can agree to do this and be a part of this based on the following agreed upon mutual terms that we all agree upon to now move forward. And we were able to do that. We were able to have a vote on this new governance of the covenant of the goddess. So I'm, I'm excited to see the changes. I really am. Yeah. So am I. And to be a part of this at this time, I'm, I really consider myself fortunate. Um, there was a little reluctancy and I did, uh, go before the covenant and the membership and say at that point that I was concerned and I had kind of withdrawn my, myself as a candidate. I was so surprised when you did that. Yeah. And I know it had a lot of shock. There was a lot of audible gasps in the room and it wasn't to do that. That was not my intention. My concern was that based on all the changes that were needing to be made, that I would be the appropriate first officer to be able to handle those challenges and bring the covenant forward and not fail the covenant at this monumental task that's being set forth. But I'm up to the job and the membership overall, when I reconsidered because of those that were newly elected on the board of officers, uh, each approached me and said, we're behind you 100% on this and we will help you as first officer. Yes. And that was important for me to be able to say, okay, I will reconsider based on on those. But the membership has to be the one to agree now that I had said that I was going to withdraw, that they believe that I'm the right person for this job. Sure. There isn't somebody else within the covenant that might be more capable than myself to handle this. Well, I'm super excited that you decided to go ahead thank you and uh you have my support thank you yeah um, thank you having having been in the position but only once um you know if i can oh, offer any oh, thank you you know appreciate that you can always call me thank you um sir do you have i i'm to be quite honest i respected you being able to step step back up and say I'm going to do this again and uh, I I feel a sense of hope for what's going to come for COG uh, based on the changes that are coming I I told Azriel or Amber excuse me uh, when she first proposed it to the group uh, I was in there listening and I I gave her my vote of support even though I'm not a member I can't actually say anything right but I gave her my like this sounds like something awesome and I wanted to give her my support in that and uh, I think it's going to be something that's going to really help move uh, the covenant forward I would completely agree she's a very thoughtful person she put a lot of energy and thought very much mm -hmm tried to find a a really a positive thing to help the covenant grow and change bringing new members in like letting the local councils have more of a voice at the national level 
So it's not about those national officers way out there. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of my goals is to try and visit each one of the local councils, to go to one of their meetings, to be the, <coughs> the first officer that they get to see face-to-face -face and have a relationship with, mm -hmm. to bring back their concerns to the national and governing board so that, the, that we can make the positive changes that we're really setting forth. Mm. Yeah, the, those, that sounds really awesome. Yes. Really, it does. And I, I look forward to being able to eventually join as a member. So we look forward to having you as a member. See, I didn't bring him here <laughs> to become a member. To become a member, and I'm just like, what have I done? Um, but uh, I created a monster. Oh, kind of, yeah, just a little bit. But yeah, no, I, I think um, we definitely need to start bringing in some fresh blood to younger people to revitalize the organization and to come in with new perspectives and um, start changing to move into the future. Right. Um, because... When Brandon stood up and ran for the course, uh, not correspondence, but outreach, outreach. Um, position and the membership was electing him to that position, I stood up behind him and announced this is... This Yes. is the face of the future of that's, the covenant of the that's goddess. True. Mm -hmm. The young people have to join us. If they don't, you know, as each generation gets a little older, and many of the original people um, are slowly dwindling away. And, mm -hmm. well, you know... it has to be made, you know, going forward, I know that there are plans for campaigns. It needs to be made aware as to why it would be important for them to consider joining the importance of cog there are entire generations of witches at mm -hmm. this point mm -hmm. who have well not entire but large swaths of generations of, mm -hmm. of witches who have absolutely no idea what cog has done for the community right. and what cog can still do for the community they really don't know beyond um you know, unfortunate missteps and mm -hmm. terrible first draft statements and, um, you know, the the witch war drama right. uh, perspective. I don't so much see it as a witch war as it is so much a, a you know, maybe a misunderstanding of the proposal that's being put forward, uh, not no, coming there, in agreement. There uh, maybe in other, the past, there are maybe other, had some There are other situations right. where there were... I mean, really, it's just groups that completely disagreed with right. one another for for whatever reason. I, I'm not even going to comment on any of that because I don't, I don't really have the authority to say that. But I just know that there have been people that have been in complete disharmony with each other and there was no way to consider how to resolve it. And mm -hmm. they walked away. Right. And it was unfortunate that it came to that point, but this is the, the incident that people remember. Right. And... Um, and we almost had that this time, you know. Right, we, almost. You know, we the Chamisa Council was quite upset about, you know, the the overall tone of how it was being handled when the proposal was set forth, and you know how certain individual members within the covenant could have such disdain for sending, a, you know, or having a member of their local council actually be a voice for their local council <laughs> on the governing really board. It, it doesn't even make sense. Like, <laughs> we were putting them out, and it's like, well, it's 
it's you, maybe a monthly telephone or conference call that they're going to be on for a couple hours, hours. what are you talking about month, this is not maybe. yeah you know we're not asking you to send this person this delegate to washington you know right. <laughs> having to fund it you know so well, it was very strange yes and especially in this you know in this new age technology age right. where we have so many other you know you're going to conference call being, this right we're going to make mm-hmm. this happen you're not driving um, out to the middle of the u.s to have a, con- a powwow like right you know it's not like i did i did Send not the witches, understand the witches to washington dc right i it, i did not understand what the problem was there and i was completely baffled by that yes. um both of us were yeah, yeah. It, it didn't make sense to me but unfortunately the local council that voice the concern um, is in an area that they feel that they're not allowed or don't have the ability to have somebody do that they, you know they they are of a mindset that the world as it is is a little difficult and that they're trying to stay low profile right okay and uh... I don't know what that had to do with being a representative of and their neither, local council. I think that's what many of us felt like. Yeah. It was very how confusing this, to me, but that's okay. You know, how does this burden you then to have a voice within the covenant by having so a member of your local council the thing was be we, your representative? We missed the part where it should have been, did they abstain, did they stand aside, or were they blocking this proposal? And I don't know if whatever happened, but it should have gotten to that point. Right. And that at that moment, then they could say they were either standing aside or blocking, and then it would go to a vote. Right. Which is finally how we had to bring it back to the floor of the covenant of the membership during Grand Council and discuss the issue, and then we had to bring it to vote. So and during if, vote, it went very well. But if it goes to vote, this is a matter of process. If it goes to vote, does that blocking member lose like as in if they're blocking it's based on the overall percentages of the voting membership you know that is quorum of the grand council uh and those who are carrying proxies for right. other covenants or other individuals the blocker? the blocker didn't block that was the funny thing well then why would it go to vote if they weren't blocking i'm so confused as to that's that what was the surprising factor when the one individual who had the greatest concern was brought back to the to the front of you know where uh, the first officer was and the recorder was and they were able to review the whole new statement of the proposal and the changes that have been made to it and she had a greater understanding she was not one of the people that then voted to block it so then oh Okay, so really what it was is she completely misunderstood what the proposal was. She had, at the, at the original onset, when, when they were expressing their concerns and they felt that it was more than what they could handle and they didn't understand, you know, they felt that it might be a burden uh, financially to them. Um, <laughs> you know, there was just too many misunderstandings that... Mm-hmm. And, uh, they feel that they're in an, a region of the United States where things are just difficult right now, and 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 that's and because none of us live there, that's their perception, and we have to take them at their word. For sure, that. sure. Um, 
but it still has to be the overall intention of the covenant to grow members, even right. in their local council. So one of the things I will do when I go and visit is ask them, how are we going to grow our numbers in this region? You know, you're in a, a large metropolitan area. There's got to be far more witches and Wiccans in this region that would right. be interested in the covenant of the goddess. How do we, you know, how do we get outreach to those folks? How do we, you know, bring them in? And how can we help empower you in your region to feel more secure, more part of the common everyday world where you don't feel that there's negativity towards us in some form or fashion? I agree. I agree. Just check out. Oh. <laughs> um, that's, I can't wait till you come out. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Yes. Well, because there's five five local councils in California. Yes. So, and that's like almost half of the all the LCs. Yes, the majority of LCs are in the state of California. That is correct. Are there still two in Texas? No, there's only one local council in Texas. Okay. Uh, Florida has one local council. Okay. Uh, Hills and Rivers is in the Midwest, Mid Pennsylvania, Mid Ohio, uh, West Virginia region, Michigan. as far as I understand. Yeah, it covers multiple states. Right, right. Um, which is that's a large chunk of territory for yes. a local council. And that's it. That's all we have yes, left. Yes, we've lost so many of the local councils. So one of my other hopes is is actually to have some outreach to former members of those other local councils that are no longer affiliated with the Covenant of the Goddess and they ask them, okay. how can we either bring you back in as members at an individual level mm -hmm. or how can we re-stimulate and help you re-establish your local council and get it thriving again and bring new members in? Some of those what can the national board do to help facilitate those things to happen? Some of those are national members too. Right. You know, they were in local councils and they got and national. moved to national. Right. right. So, yeah. So I know, like Dogwood just recently went out uh, in Georgia, and it would be nice to, which was a, a very old local council, um, one that Everglades Moon was originally part of and hived off of because the two states are so large, especially Florida and the majority of the witches and wiccans in florida live in the tri-county areas that are all in the very south part of florida sure. so it made more sense for florida to have its own local council i would like to see florida have more than one local council just like the state of california so there's enough space for them yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. you know there are lots of large <clears throat> cities the orlando region could have a central uh, local council we could have a west local council in the tampa area mm -hmm. um you know, Jacksonville is another large city. Again, there are witches and Wiccans throughout the state of Florida that uh, we're not being able to reach out to and, and tell them about the covenant of the goddess and, and, and maybe bring new members in. Yeah. yeah. That's another concern that I have that I will uh, reach out to the CUPS uh, organization with the UU Church in Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale. They have recently changed the name of the Pagan Pride event to the Maybon Harvest Festival. Oh, that's right. You were telling us that. Before. And this was a little concerning. They did this last year, and the numbers at Pagan Pride 
were horrible. And I think that if you're not really promoting something as specifically pagan pride to encourage many people to come out, um, that you start to lose your viability in, in the community overall. And I think that um, it's important that uh, I know that one of the gentlemen within uh, that organization within the UU Church that uh, facilitates CUPS there uh, is also a member of EMLC. And so I'll reach out to him and say, what can we do to bring back the name Pagan Pride so that we can encourage more people to come? Because if uh, EMLC or the Covenant of the Goddess is going to host a booth there, it would be nice to be able to do enough outreach and meet new people. Yeah. and talk about what the Covenant of the Goddess has and offers in terms of membership so that we can hopefully, you know, bring on new people. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I've got my job cut out for me. <laughs> Definitely sounds like it. You have, um, do you have any events that are coming up? Yes, actually, uh, I have been asked by Cups to uh, for my coven to be the officiants of the Imbolc celebration in February. So nice. we're looking forward to that. Uh, it's uh, even nicer or more fulfilling now that I will also be the National First Officer of the Coven of the Goddess to be able to do some outreach during that particular period of time and uh, maybe encourage people to seek us out in the, in, for membership in the Coven of the Goddess. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, do you have any social media or any sites that you'd like to have people Just, uh, yeah, we don't have any particular social media. I have not uh, created like a Facebook page at this point, um, but you can find us at www.lavenderdragons.com or you can look up theapollobrotherhood.com and I'm sorry, just the uh, ApolloBrotherhood.com. No the in the front. Right, no the in front. Uh, and those two will, are interlinked, and you can get our information, or you can obviously find us on Witchbox. So. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Well, thank you again, and uh, thank you to our listeners for uh, taking part in listening to our talk today with our guest. And if you want to hear more of our podcast, you can find them on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, or on our website, ravensatthecrossroad.com. You can also find our donation page up there to help support us in going and visiting more uh, witches and pagans in the community and doing more in the community. We also have a Facebook page, Ravens at the Crossroads, and a Twitter uh, page, which is... Uh, Ravens Crossroad. No S on the end. There's no S. Um, and uh, you can follow us at either one of those, like our page. And thank you again for meeting with us today. Thank you. Blessed be. Blessed, Blessed be. be.